Hi, everybody, and welcome to mini-episode number 14 of Attendance Bias. I am your host, Brian Weinstein. Mini-episodes of Attendance Bias feature a breakdown of a single song or a single jam from a show that I've attended. I'll give you a little bit of background about what makes that song or that jam so special to me, and then we dive right in. Mini-episodes of Attendance Bias are posted on a bi-weekly basis in between full episodes of Attendance Bias when a guest and I go over a full fish show. Today's mini-episode features Twist from December 31st, 2015 at Madison Square Garden in New York City. Very soon after I started getting into fish, I learned very quickly that New Year's Eve fish shows were the stuff of legends. I remember the joy of finding the set list for tapes with the dates 1231. There was always something extra festive about these shows and the excitement of the crowd on these tapes. You could feel it just by listening to the recording that a New Year's Fish show was a special place to be. My first show ever was part of the 1997 New Year's run, and only by Fish Tickets by Mail Bad Luck did I miss 1998's New Year's show. I didn't have the resources or the means to attend Big Cypress in 1999, and I missed out on tickets for their first comeback on New Year's Eve 2002 at MSG. In 2003, unfortunately, due to my life circumstances, I was no closer to getting to Miami, and after their comeback in 2009, the band played their first New Year's show again in Miami. For a variety of reasons I don't need to get into now, it was not feasible for my wife and I to attend. After all of these missed opportunities, I was more than primed to see a New Year's Eve show. The minute everything aligned, I would see the band on New Year's Eve and nothing would stop me once I had my opportunity. Therefore, my first New Year's show was to be in 2010. The infamous meat stick heard round the world, and I haven't missed a fish New Year's show since. If New Year's Eve is traditionally about celebration, reflection, and hopefully renewal, then New Year's Eve 2015 was tailor-made for me. Ever since the previous fall, my mind had a tremendous amount of weight on it. In the fall of 2014, my wife at the time crushed my life. My stability was gone. She was telling me that she didn't love me and she never had in the six years we knew each other. The rest of 2014, from the fall to the end of the year, and then the first few months of 2015, they were all emotionally wrenching. Everything I knew to be normal, everything I knew to be stable was upended, and it has taken a very long time for me to regain my mental and emotional footing. To begin this emotional rehab, I dove headfirst into fish. By the time New Year's rolled around in 2015, the healing had begun, but I wasn't fully there and recovered. Even when I was on my Nashville vacation in the summer of 2015, or at Fare Thee Well, or my run up and down the East Coast, I was never fully at emotional peace. I had certainly made progress, but having my spirit, my soul, and my heart broken was going to take a little more time. Enter New Year's 2015. As usual, my friends Laura and Steve would come up for the New Year's show. Company for the other nights was a bit uncertain, and that was where most of my confusion lay. For years when I was attending shows in 3.0, I attended them with my ex. And then when I began to see shows with my new significant other by the end of the year, I had to adjust to a whole new show-going routine, and this is not as easy as it sounds. I assumed, I thought, but I really assumed, that she and I would see the shows together since we had been dating for a few months at the time. In retrospect, it's clear now that this was a very selfish way to think, but it makes sense at the time. 
After being so horribly hurt, I was much more concerned with my own happiness than anyone else's. I wasn't thinking from her point of view. But expecting someone else to change their show habits wasn't the right thing to do, and it caused me mental turmoil over the course of this New Year's run. I dealt with that turmoil throughout the whole run. It got to a point where it took me out of the New Year's Eve show entirely. I was out of my head. My mind was not in the game. I was thinking about my life. I was thinking about my year, my relationships, past and present. I was worried about when I would be happy again, when I would be satisfied again. You know, that stuff you take for granted when you feel settled, and 2015 unsettled me to my very foundation. But on New Year's Eve, it was this twist that snapped me out of that. It brought me back down to earth. It wasn't exactly a cure-all, but it laid the groundwork for me to move forward. Twist had a hell of a year in 2015. Bliss jamming was a main theme of that year, and Twist was the most consistent vehicle for this uplifting jamming style that eventually became my favorite of the 3.0 era. There are obvious versions of Twist that's highlights from 2015 like The Man or Shoreline, as well as the less heralded version from Magnaball. But this version from New Year's was my favorite. It rises from the ashes of an energetic piper toward the end of the second set. The song began traditionally with Trey noodling around the main theme and then the first verse begins. The tempo seems a little bit quicker than what we come to expect in 3.0. The first jam begins in earnest just under three minutes into the recording and it's made up mostly of Trey and Paige trading melodies while Fishman holds it down and Mike dances around the upper end of his register. It isn't long before Mike switches to his overdrive pedal. Maybe it's his overdrive pedal, I really don't know. But he starts to take the lead. In 2015, Trey was more imaginative with creating melodic jams, but Mike was much more assertive in turning up his volume once the jams got rolling. Turn up the bass on this one, you could hear it for yourself. Building and building, Trey introduces a melody at about six minutes that's like a preview for the latter half of this jam. But within a minute, the band circles back to the main riff of Twist. It's more of a check-in than anything else. I thought that the song was going to end, but obviously it didn't. Soon after this check-in, the band breaks down musically. They were testing each other to see who would step up to lead the rest of the way. 
It's like musical brainstorming. They were all throwing ideas out there and seeing what sticks. Eventually, Fishman stepped forward to take his space with the trademark fills. He's like a nimble engine, keeping the forward momentum going while the other guys are just kind of figuring out their places in this jam. It's about to take off into the stratosphere. You could feel it simmering and boiling as the band got louder and more cohesive. Then out of nowhere, Trey lays down these power chords, these big sustained power chords that completely take over the jam. He's like a teacher who yells at the top of his lungs to get the noisy class under control. It was about here when I was overthinking stuff that I was too deep inside my own head. It was a really difficult year and these power chords snapped me right to attention. They told me to put my thoughts in the back, take a back seat. This is when the band said to me, hey, You're here to have a good time. You're not here to perseverate about one of the most difficult years of your life. You are here. You are now. Snap to it. Love the life you're living. Love the life that's ahead of you. It was like someone flipped a switch. And at this point of twist, I became totally present and totally in the moment. Trey's soaring notes brought me to another level. I was flying high. There, I was no longer thinking about the past. Instead, I was looking ahead to the future. The bench shook me out of it. They brought me to attention. They had me looking ahead in my life for the first time in a very long time. It may not come through entirely on this audience recording, but it was like I was being lifted up and pushed forward by the music, like a wave that didn't have to crash.
There were the swells of the crowd. Everything was coming to a head, and it was a time I'll never forget. It was really when I could feel the healing process truly beginning. And in the past, and I'm sure again in the future, I have fish and the fish audience to thank for that. Next week on Attendance Bias, my guest is Tim of Wook Plus, also known from his Twitter handle at Weekend Wook. If you've been in touch with the fish community on Twitter at any point over the past few years, it's very likely that you've come across the fish brackets or Wook Plus. In his brackets, Tim puts song against song, venue against venue, and jam against jam in a round-robin style tournament to crown the best, according to fish Twitter voters. Tim chose to discuss July 27, 2014 at Merriweather Post Pavilion. That show is Tim's engagement party, and it's widely known for its Tweezerfest-style second set. During the interview, Tim and I talk about the weekend Wook Brackets, his multimedia platform Wook Plus, and if there is any real possible way to determine the best of anything when it comes to fish. And that's it for today's episode. To support Attendance Bias, please leave a review and a rating of the show on your podcast app of choice. Please also spread the word about Attendance Bias to just one person. You can text someone, talk to someone, and tell them about the show. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope to see you next week on Attendance Bias. Attendance Bias.